Hello, and welcome to Getting to Good Enough, a podcast to help you let go of perfectionism so you can do more of what you love. I'm Shannon Wilkinson, a life coach in Portland, Oregon. I'm a recovering perfectionist who's getting better at good enough. And I'm Janine Adams, a certified professional organizer in St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm lucky enough to be naturally good at good enough. And today we're talking about how to get comfortable with a good enough decision. Well, thank you. We are experiencing a storm, though there's no thunder at the moment. But if you hear thunder, that would be why. Because <laughs> you're having a thunderstorm. And it's the Midwest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a yeah. little less dark out than it was a few minutes ago. So I'm optimistic that uh, perhaps it won't be uh, noisy for our recording. Oh, I hope not. Yeah. So those Midwest storms can get very um, exciting. Yes, and there's a poodle here who doesn't enjoy them. So hopefully he won't get in the way of things. Sometimes he wants to go up on my lap or something when, or his front legs. Right. So he'd be right by the mic if he did that. (laughs) That could be interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll just see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So today we are talking about the good enough decision. Yep. Yay. Yeah. And uh, this has come out of the idea that we've uh, mentioned a couple of times in previous podcasts about maximizers and satisficers which I always struggle on that word because it sounds weird to me. I wish it were a a more um, mellifluous word. (laughs) I wish, yeah, it's a a word that I stumble over too. And I could resist the word because it seems like a made-up word, but I'm not sure that I don't think it is. Uh, But anyway, uh, let's, let's I'll let you tell folks what a satisficer is. A satisficer is... Uh, someone who um, makes, uh, I should be letting you do this because you're a satisficer. Yeah, but you're so good at the explanation. (laughs) 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 Well, let me start actually with the maximizer because that's the one that I'm uh, more acquainted with. (laughs) And, And a maximizer, I also sometimes think of it as an optimizer, is a person who wants to um, take in all poss- all the information available, uh, all possible options, and then make the best possible decision. And a satisficer is someone who makes a good enough decision, you know, it, that, that um, spends only the amount of time that seems reasonable for whatever the decision is that needs to be made and doesn't get um, caught up in in trying to get the most out of a particular decision and they're satisfied yeah and they're satisfied we are satisfied 
we don't tend to second guess them and we're satisfied with the decision. Right. That's the other key thing is that satisficers tend to have a higher level of satisfaction with their decisions. Um, And maximizers tend to uh, have regret or wish they would have made a different decision or otherwise feel badly about the decision that they made. Which is a bummer, I mean, because they're spending more time on the decision, on the research and the decision making, and then end up with less satisfaction. Right. Um, Well, and you can see how perfectionism can really play into being a maximizer. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, it's like trying to make the perfect decision, and which is impossible. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And... You because know, you, you can, can never o- examine every single possibility. Right, right. And, you know, a lot of times what happens is you spend so much time, you know, researching or trying to figure out all possible options or permutations of possibility. And then, and you postpone making a decision for so long that the decision gets made for you. Right. Mm-hmm. That sounds very familiar. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking, I, I was, it made me think of um, the living room rug that Barry and I just bought, uh-huh. which for us is a huge thing because we're not people who willy-nilly replace things in our home. No. <laughs> By any no. stretch of the imagination. <laughs> so our, our beloved... You have, room- l- you have lovely things that you keep for... A long time. Well, thank you for saying that. Yes, we definitely keep them for a long time. And we had our living room rug, which is a big rug. It's like or 10 by 8. I mean, it's not huge. Um, is that right? 10 by 8? Yeah, but it's no. not tiny. Are you sure? No. You think I would know. I just bought it. I think it's like but 12 I, by 16, isn't it? It's no, pretty big. No, I know. I, th- I thought it was, but it isn't. No. I was looking at the wrong size rug, actually, for quite a while. <laughs> and then I measured <laughs> <laughs> like oh this changes everything so um uh we, the old woman just needed to be replaced after almost 20 years of use and uh i went on wayfair.com and on the app and i selected some ones i liked and i sent them to barry and he kind of liked one of them and then it went then when it went on sale i'm like okay it's on sale let's buy it and so I was thrilled, right? We both Great. liked it. It went on sale. Perfect. It's a you know, 100% wool, hand-tufted, met my requirements. And his response was, well, are we sure? Maybe we should look again. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. It's like, this is how I made it to 30 years of marriage, just by holding my tongue. It's okay, let's look again. And we spent some time looking, and we bought the one I wanted to buy. <laughs> and, it worked out. And, he, and we both, P.S., we both love it. We both have said we even like it better than the last one, which I really love that last one. But we both right. really like this, so it worked oh. out great. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I know. It's yeah. So he probably feels like he put the, um, you know, it was good to add a little extra research to feel like he maximized <laughs> the uh, right the options, and um, I'm sure that's what he thought. And uh, I was just, I would have been perfectly happy buying it without any more research. Right, right. But the, the, it's interesting that you doing the first round of research probably makes it much easier for Barry. 
Well, actually, um, I it, it was longer, more drawn out than that, and he did the first round of research. Oh, did he? And I rejected all of them. And oh. <laughs> but I was I was um, favored by the fact that. Uh, enough time elapsed before I told him that I had rejected all of them by the uh-huh. that by the time we looked again they were none of them were available anymore oh. <laughs> so so then I got so, to start it, it right <laughs> and I stayed on top of it because Wayfair email text emails you twice a day I mean I they, they, the emails just kept they kept reminding me I wanted a rug <laughs> so, right <laughs> um, now that I bought the rug I I'm no longer sign up for all the emails <laughs> but uh, my yeah, that's awesome. Um, but it, it is, I think we talked about this in the previous Making Decisions episode uh, about how I've definitely had to come up with a strategy of limiting the amount of research that I was going to do, like to put really strict parameters on uh, what is important to me in making the decision and not letting other things come into play. Yeah, I mean, you you actually develop, because you have a, more of a tendency to be a maximizer than, say, I do, uh, or you have your recovering perfectionist, you had to, as part of your recovery, build an actual yeah. strategy, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, yeah, so you thought it through, and you limit it to, a, what is it, a certain amount of time or a certain number of options you research? Uh, it depends on the situation. It's usually a combination. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, the first thing I do is I sort of pick the top three things that matter to me about it. The top two mm-hmm. or three things that matter. Getting in touch with what's, what, why it's important to you. Uh, oh, yes, exactly. Uh-huh. And then I... Um, do research like if it's if I'm going to buy something well like for instance it's instant ex- example <laughs> the microphones that we both just got mm-hmm. I knew generally what I wanted you know I needed it to be high quality for podcasting and uh, I didn't need it to be you know Profession, like the best possible microphone ever, and we had a a budget in mind. And then I did some googling, and I looked at a couple of sites, and then I looked at the reviews on Amazon for the ones that they were recommending, and then I made a decision. And I could feel myself when I in that process starting to go down the oh but should we get a microphone that does this or should we get a microphone that does that and then just I just kept bringing myself back to like I don't need the most optimal microphone I need the one that works for podcasting Mm, right and I by contrast said I'll buy what you buy yeah And I knew it would be great, so and it is. We're very happy with our microphones. We'll put yeah. a link in the uh, in the show notes in case somebody else wants to just use Shannon's recommendation on, on right. what microphone to buy. <laughs> um, but no, that's that's really great. But and, you know, and Amazon makes it hard because they have all those links right there in the page of the one that you're looking at about what other people right. are looking at or comparing it with different, slightly different. Uh, versions of pretty much the same thing so keeping those yeah. 
those parameters and sticking to that strategy is very impressive, Shannon. Well, I feel very happy that I was able to do that. And and I am very happy with this microphone. And mm-hmm. it's just a, a good um, example of, like, I could have spent hours and hours thinking about a microphone because there are a lot of people that have a lot to say about microphones. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it just... We just needed a good enough microphone. Right. And, and it's this it's definitely good enough. Oh, yeah. I was going to yeah. say this exceeds that standard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we didn't set out to exceed that standard. Right. Um, it, it, that was the same standard that we applied to all the aspects of putting together the podcast that we... Right. We, have a, a, we did an episode about... Um, and so far, I don't, you know, almost two years in, I don't think we've changed any of the, well, we, we changed the theme, the WordPress theme. But otherwise, yes. we haven't changed much, <laughs> I don't think. No. Yeah. No, we've sort of stuck with what's working for us. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is you know, very convenient, really. Uh, <laughs> convenient you're right <laughs> and it's also um, the opposite of stress inducing I mean I feel yes. really fortunate because I feel like a bit of it in my case is maybe just sort of hardwired just the way I think but the idea I mean I just like no regrets is sort of I mean I I don't look back on decisions and regret them typically they'd have to be some really bad decision for me to even think about it consider regretting it right. um, so I appreciate this the satisfaction ap- aspect of this being a satisficer. Yes. And it's interesting because I don't really regret a lot of decisions either. So it doesn't, the the sort of maximizer uh, doesn't, that part of it doesn't really fit for me. I don't, I, I do all that up front. I don't, <laughs> I have, mm-hmm. I have, um, predictive regret (laughs) what am I going to (laughs) regret right okay that works for you (laughs) yeah um but the other thing I wanted to talk about in terms of um how to go about making a decision that's good enough is a lot of times when you're making a decision it feels like you're making this decision forever and ever Mm -hmm. And I think I know for me and a lot of times with my clients uh, taking the counsel that this is a decision for now. This Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, you can always change your mind. And I've been having this conversation with um, my daughter who's trying to decide what college to go to. And I said, you know, you're trying to make a decision for the rest of your life. You're trying to pick the best place to go to college for the rest of your life. What happens if you pick the best place to go to college knowing what you know now and knowing that you can change your mind in a year? Mm-hmm. As or many you can people even do. Yeah, or you can change your mind in August and take a gap year, you know, defer. Mm-hmm. You could, you know, there's you do have more options even after you make the decision and and so taking some of that pressure off helps you 
make a decision from more the role of a satisficer than a maximizer. Right. Well, and and right now for these kids, your daughter's age, who are trying to make this this decision this year, when they don't even know whether the schools are going to be in session or not, uh, in person, right, um, is just. Uh, I think that makes your counsel even more valuable because there's just so much she doesn't know. All she can do is make a decision based on what she knows right now. Right. And and, right. and trust that, know that if it turns out things are different than she expects, she can transfer. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that's probably something that we're all bumping up against right now is that uh, it's hard to make decisions when you're in such a place of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And we don't know. There's so much we don't know about how things are going to go over the next six, ye- six years, six months. <laughs> six <laughs> years, too, frankly. Right. right. Feel- and six months feels like six years, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I think using the idea of a good enough decision becomes even more important during times mm-hmm. of of real uncertainty. Yeah. I think that's that's I think you're absolutely right in that I know the uncertainty is making me a little crazy. It, what it's doing for me in terms of decisions is kind of just delaying them. I mean just right. I have, like my big question is when I can go back to work and I don't know. I mean, it depends, yeah. right? So I try right. not to let it bother me. That's the best I can do is not make a decision and let, not let that bother me, I think. I feel like that's the best I can do. Yeah, because you don't have enough information to make right. a decision. Right, yeah. And so the decision is that, you know, uh, one strategy to try is the decision is I'm not going to consider this again for you know whatever a week a month or until something shifts significantly mm-hmm. um and and give yourself a break from thinking about it because i think that's the other stressful thing mm-hmm. about um being in uncertainty is that you you don't have the information you need to make a decision and there's not a necessarily a deadline to make the decision but you feel like you need to make a decision and you keep thinking about it mm-hmm. exactly yeah so if as much as you can make the decision to not do anything or or postpone the decision for a period of time a lot of times with clients i'll say well, so like I had a client who is um, might possibly be moving mm-hmm. and she keeps saying, I just want to know if we're moving. And I said, well, right now, you know that you're going to be in the house you're in until the end of the school year. She's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, so you're not moving between now and then. So. <laughs> Put it on your calendar that you can ask the question again at the beginning of June. Did that seem to help? Yeah, it does. It's still, and it's a, it's a sort of a touchstone to go back to. 
Right. Yes. But like you know, I'll like, be comfortable with the uncertainty now, mm-hmm. and then in the future I can make that decision. But recognizing, in my case or in this client's case, there's nothing that I can do now to make help me make a decision. Right. Well, and actually, you're creating a little bit of certainty in that, and this is Mm. a little bit of a weird paradox, but you're certain that you cannot make a decision between now and June. Mm Mm-hmm. That gives you some certainty. Yeah. Right. And then some comfort around that. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. So it's, it is a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a mind trick that totally works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, I know we've talked to Nina about times where you have like gotten all caught up in researching things. Um, but how do you how do you do that without getting overwhelmed by it? Well, I really try to limit my choices. That's my yeah. thing, right? That's how I I've come to learn as an adult. <laughs> that I'm happiest with fewer choices. So it, what it means is I I think I, in a sense, I, my strategy isn't as uh, well thought out as yours, but I think I pretty much do the same thing. It's like I know what I want and what aspects. What blood, I think we talked about on the podcast when I had to replace my external computer monitor because the old one started having smoke come out of it. So I knew oh, right. it was time to replace it. Um, <laughs> Excellent clue. Yes. I uh, went on the New York Times wire cutter and saw their most um, favored, uh, review, best reviewed monitor, mm-hmm. highly recommended. And I knew that I needed USB-C ports because I just bought a Mac that had nothing but USB-C ports. And um, decided... Uh, Read, the, read about it on Amazon and decided it was worth the extra money um, because it w- would serve as a, a hub for all my dev- USB-A devices. I could just plug right. my monitor in and boom, it was done. I mean, I literally uh, didn't research after that because it satisfied me. Right. Yeah. Uh, and That's such I'm a good feeling. Thrilled. Yeah, this is a great monitor. And it's 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 way better than the smoky one it replaced. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah. So that worked out um, really well. I bought the. I may have said this on the podcast. I bought the first wedding dress I saw. Oh which yeah. Which was yeah. It was a not made for a wedding, but it was a. It looked. It was a party dress. <laughs> it was a party dress. It was in the fancy <laughs> party. Woohoo! The fancy party <laughs> department on the sale yeah. rack at Neiman Marcus, and I tried it on. I liked it. They altered it. I came home and said I bought a wedding dress, and Barry was like, "What?" I said, "Yeah, I bought a wedding dress," and he was actually disappointed <laughs> because I hadn't put more work into it. I guess. <laughs> Well, but he funny. liked the dress. The dress was great. But um, yeah, so as I think I shared with you on our anniversary that I dug out our um, budget for our wedding and oh, right. he spent more in his suit than I spent on my dress. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, for me, it's all about fewer options. But I think the thing that you said, which is knowing what you need in this decision, whether it's what you need, if it's a purchase, you know, what features you need, or knowing why it's important to you to um, make this decision. If you can get down yeah. to that, that can help you narrow your choices right. and hopefully make it easier. Yeah, and the, and there's 
various versions of this around in different circumstances, but it usually comes down to the idea of, you know, pick your top three things about whatever that's important to you. You get two of them. Mm. Yeah, I like that. And yeah, um, and it helps you sort of focus on what really matters, what where you should focus your research, you know, what kind of research you should be looking at. Uh, but I do, I, I often remind myself to make the best decision I can knowing what I know right now. Right. Yeah, and, and which does help you avoid regret down the road. Because I have made right. some decisions that I regret, uh, have regretted. But knowing that I was making the best decision I could at the time makes me feel okay about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the key. And then, and so if you feel that, then you could say, oh, well, you know, I have different information now than I had then. So how would I do it differently in the future? So you can even learn from it to help you make decisions that you're more satisfied with in the future. Right. And, it, and that really dovetails nicely with the idea that you're, these decisions aren't forever. They needn't yeah. be forever, unless, of course, you live with right. my husband, in which case... <laughs> The rug you buy is gonna it's gonna be you're for gonna die years. with this rug uh-huh. we talked about that uh-huh. um, <laughs> but um yesterday the the dry i was doing laundry and the dryer heat didn't come on and i was oh. like oh and it's an old naturally it's an old dryer and i thought oh great we're gonna have to get a new dryer and then it turned out it was user error <laughs> and so oh. uh yeah so the dryer's fine so we'll keep going with it. But both of us were yeah. kind of excited by the notion that we might get a new drive. <laughs> yeah. But then just think of the research. That would have been annoying. Yeah. 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 So I yeah. think that, that all of these things really factor into the idea of a good enough decision. Or as an article that we saw in the New York Times um, calls it a mostly fine decision. Right. Um, and that's an interesting article, too, which I'll, I'll post in the um yeah i mean I'll, I'll add to the show notes well and the example that he gave and it's interesting because it um was this article is from some time ago but the example he gave was that you know the the hardest decision he faces is what to have for dinner i know it's like and, what um <laughs> that's nothing i even give any thought to personally but because i don't care what oh, i have for dinner yeah, but you, you like ha- deciding what to make. Well, you're not usually making it. I don't it. make it. Well, I sometimes That's, freak, I fend for myself. We have nights yeah. where we fend for ourselves, and yeah. on those nights, Barry makes himself a fine meal, and I <laughs> make and you myself have cheese and crackers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Popcorn. No, I don't. I, I don't. If Barry's home, I don't have popcorn for dinner. But um, oh, I I had some Trader Joe's corn dogs the other day. <laughs> they were okay. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but but so I, get, I, I don't get, care what I make for dinner. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I get stymied by the question. And I used to really get stymied by, like, ordering off a menu. Oh, that's and right. I got really good at ordering off menus. And we talked about this in one episode. I don't remember which one it was. Maybe Did it we? was on... Yeah, because I'm familiar. I think it was... I'm familiar with this from the podcast, not just from talking with you, but... Remind me, what's your strategy? I remember liking it a lot. So I think about um, wh- what 
kind of meal I want to have? Like, do I want something crisp and refreshing? Do I want something like warm and cozy? Do I want something new? And I, and so I pick sort of the feeling that I want to have. And then I only look at that part of the menu. So like, is that mean it's a salad? Does that mean it's a pasta dish? Does that mean it's a, you know, the fish or you know whatever i i and then i just stick to that and then i just order from that section that's excellent so you're limiting the choices which means you don't have to research heavily and weigh all the options and Mm -hmm. you and you end up with the thing that you want right and then and, and then i also think about like how i will feel having eaten you know once i pick something then i think oh how will i feel having eaten that like will i feel Mm -hmm. satisfied and usually the answer is yes and so i order it and then mike orders something else and then we get our meals and he's like "Ah, you always order better than me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we taught we talked about that in episode 16 decision making um yeah well and it's funny because my strategy is i order the first thing that jumps out at me in the menu Mm-hmm. And if I like it, every time I go back to that restaurant, I order it again. <laughs> <laughs> Drives Perry insane. <laughs> but, oh, I bet. Uh, yeah, but it works really well for me. <laughs> yeah, I I actually do that too. I've adopted that from you, oh. and it totally works. Like I get if that's the thing I want, I don't feel bad about getting it again. I'm not gonna go to the Japanese restaurant in Walla Walla and order anything but pot stickers. i don't know that eel roll i had was so tasty yeah i know there's lots of good things there but i only have so much room in my belly and it's going to be full of pot stickers (laughs) with about three times as many pot stickers as i ever would have imagined you could (laughs) i mean it when i say full of pot stickers All right. Well, I, I spent, gosh, a couple months since I talked about pot stickers, so that felt good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. goodness. <laughs> pot stickers. Now I want some. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about making a good enough decision? No, I hope this helps folks, um, especially in this time of uncertainty, to uh, feel okay with, with knowing that this decision they're making now is it's good enough. It's good for now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's such an important thing to keep in mind is, you know, just knowing what you know now, make a good enough decision. And then move forward. Right. So with that, we want to hear from you. Um, are you struggling to make decisions right now? What aspects of the good enough decision do you think will be most helpful? You can leave us a message at 413-424-GTGE. That's 4843. You can uh, comment on Facebook or Instagram at Getting to Good Enough, on Twitter at GTG Enough, or you can head over to our website, gettingtogoodenough.com, and leave a comment in the show notes. Uh, but for now, this is... Shannon Wilkinson in Portland, Oregon. And Janine Adams in St. Louis, Missouri. 
And we hope that good enough is getting easier for you. somewhere around here that'll deliver me pot stickers oh good luck with that they're never as good though when they're delivered you know it's they get so colder. true yeah i know